Hi, my name is Chris, and I'm the host of the Birding Life Youth Podcast, the show where we talk to young birders to find out what makes them tick. On this podcast, I am privileged to talk to Jace Tennyson, all the way from Washington State, United States. So without further ado, please help me welcome Jace. All right, so I want to welcome Jace to the show. Welcome. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about yourself. How old are you? What do you do? Yada, yada, yada. So I'm 19 years old. I, I love bird watching and photographing birds and wildlife. I started at a very young age, nine years old, and that's my passion. Cool. Um, so you've mentioned that um, you enjoy photography. Tell us a little bit about how you got into it. So it all started, my mom had cameras laying around. She was a photographer, but not a wildlife photographer. And so she would let me use one of her cameras to go and just take pictures of birds. And that's what I would take pictures of is birds. There'd be birds perched on the roof. And that's what really, I thought it was an easy subject to start. And just seeing the beauty of them. We had a lot of baby birds around and nests and all that. And so seeing, seeing a lot of birds around made it an easy subject for starting photography and wildlife. So that's what I would do. That's where I started is started photographing swallows. And that's where I started. And tell us what your favorite bird is to capture. My favorite birds to take pictures of are probably owls because they're such a challenge. Finding one is so hard for me. I, I don't have good luck with owls. Um, <laughs> I, find, I find maybe a couple a year with my luck. And, but getting a picture of them is, is so, I, I love it. Um, displaying their beauty. And showing everyone their beauty when I when I can get a picture of them is just so rewarding to me. And what do you say to young birders who want to become photographers? Um, what advice would you give them? Start small. Start start shooting in your backyard. Get a bird book, definitely. Listen to podcasts. Get get as much information as possible about birds and wildlife in general is just a great subject to photograph and yeah just start small it doesn't matter if it's a, just seagulls that you could find but the more you learn the more you'll find and it's, it's worth it in the end so I'm, I'm not a photographer at all um to me photography i don't understand the ins and outs of it i don't understand the difference between iso and aperture all i know is take a camera point it at the object you want to shoot and just shoot. Tell us a little bit about what, um, sorry, how does a camera work in a sense? Like what does aperture and ISO and all these different technical terms mean? Okay, so it starts, I think there's three parts, the three main parts in the camera. There's the ISO, there's the shutter speed, and then there's the aperture. And aperture is all to do with the lens. So if you have an aperture of, so you're gonna want that to be as small as possible. The smaller it's gonna be, it means it, it opens up further and lets more light in. 
which is amazing. You need that for photography so you could so you could lower your ISO. The lower your ISO is, which is controlling the lighting, the higher you put that up for darker situations, it'll get brighter, but the quality will be less. So you want to keep that as low as possible. And so aperture, if you have that more like that, letting less light in, and then the background of your subject will be more in focus, but it'll be a lot darker because you're letting a lot less light in. And shutter speed is really important, extremely important. So the faster you have your shutter speed, it's when your shutter opens up, captures the picture and closes, the faster, the faster that moves, the, the faster action it can capture. So for say like a hummingbird, if you want to freeze the wings, they're going so fast, you're gonna want a really fast shutter speed of at least 3,200 or more. But the faster you have it, it opens up so quickly and it lets, again, less light in. You're gonna to need to have a higher ISO and your aperture is gonna be have to be all the way open. You always keep that all the way open in your lens. So those are the main things. So the darker it gets, the you'll notice the less quality the images will be because there's less light and you have to boost your ISO to brighten the picture. And when you boost the ISO, it adds noise and it just grainy. That's, that's where that comes from. And shutter speed, when you don't have that up, like when it, so you could have it slow where it just opens up and closes like that. But if you move at all while that's open, it'll be just so blurry. And so even if it's like any shake, it'll be just really blurry. So during darker, like getting closer to night, like for owls, that's another really hard thing about photographing them is because you have just the perfect settings and a low shutter speed, which means you gotta hold the camera much stiller, much more still and which makes it a lot harder. And even if the subject moves at all, it's also gonna be extremely blurry. So those are the main three things about getting the settings for photography. Okay, and then also another thing I think um, maybe people who are new to photography and all that are always concerned about is, do they need to have a, a top of the range camera? Do they need to have like a really expensive camera? Or can they just use a entry level camera? You, you should most certainly start with an entry level camera. You can get really great quality images with them. It's, it's the only thing is the lower the price, usually you got to work a little harder to get the images nicer. And that's the main thing with expensive cameras. It just makes everything a little easier. But starting, starting with a, I had a very cheap camera for a long time. And, and I have, I have really quality images with it. It's all about if you're good at photography or not. If you're not a good photographer, then not even a nice camera. It can't just fix your problems. So you gotta, you gotta start small, learn how to use a camera completely, and then 
when, when you know exactly how it works, you could upgrade. And that's how, that's basically how it works. If you're, you could be a complete amateur and if you have a, even if you have a very expensive camera, your pictures are still gonna look really amateur. Uh, that that just dashes the hope of all of us who, who thought we could just become professional photographers the more expensive camera we get. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and uh, you also mentioned that you've taken photos of hummingbirds. Now, in South Africa, we don't have a hummingbird. I'm very sad about that. But we do have a sort of equivalent, which is a sunbird. Yeah. And they are notoriously hard to capture. Also, I've been told I've never I've never attempted it. So, can you tell us a little bit about how you managed to get good photos of hummingbird? Because I'm pretty sure they're also very fast in moving at times. Yes. Yeah, they are extremely quick birds. But the easiest time to capture them is when they're just staying still and hovering in one spot, which is mostly what they're doing. And so they love hanging around flowers and it's gotta be usually a certain time of year where I live. We have hummingbirds year round, even in the winter, which is strange. We got one species that stays here in the winter. <laughs> so hummingbird feeders will absolutely attract lots of hummingbirds. And if you have nearby trees, they'll, they will just perch on the nearby trees, making it pretty easy. They're not, they're usually not too shy if you have flowers or feeders around. But when they want to, they can they can zoom zoom by and your picture will be pretty much worth nothing. <laughs> cool. And I just want to dive into the mind of a, a photographer at least. Um so when you are capturing a picture, uh do you just point your camera in a direction shoot a million photos and hope one of those million photos is a good photo? Or do you go into it with um, the thought of actually getting a perfect shot, um, perfect lighting, all the rest? So like, if, if it's planned, if you can plan it, that would be so much better. If something like flies just right in front of you and you got just a few seconds to take a picture, then that's when I'll just just take a ton of pictures and hopefully there's a good one in there. But if I see, like, for example, an eagle on the beach, we always have eagles that are on the sand. And I see it through my binoculars. And so before I approach it, I know I have to have the sun to my back so the lighting is good. And so it shines. So it's not a silhouette. I have the sun to my back and it's shining on the subject. And I have the settings set uh, fast in case it will fly away before I get there. And there's a lot of planning that will go into that. It's, it's all about, you gotta be positioned just right. You gotta, if you can feel the wind, they'll, they'll fly with the wind. So if the wind's blowing towards you, they'll come and fly at you, which is nice. And so there's a lot of planning. If you can, if you could spot it before you actually go to get a picture of it, then, then I'll do, I'll, I'm usually doing a lot of planning before I actually go and, or if I hear it, I'm doing a lot of planning before I actually go over there and get the picture. It's all about how the lighting is and, and 
guessing where where it might fly to. Okay. Um, then you also mentioned to me a little bit earlier that when you are shooting the birds like a, a gull, for instance, um, you'll make sure that you get on level with them. Yes. Tell us a little bit about why you do that. So getting eye level with the subject will make for an amazing background. And if, really, if you try it, you'll see a massive like upgrade in your pictures. It just gives a whole gives you a whole new foreground and background and and you can just connect with the picture a lot better like shorebirds is a really good one to get a nice background but even a even a bird perched in a tree if you could somehow get eye level with that go up on a hill or it just makes the picture that much better it, it really changes the background of your entire image rather than standing above and pointing down at the sand and then you'll have your sand in focus and it'll just be look like it'll look like a picture of taking out like the zoo with like a cell phone or something and so but if you get down low like i'll have my lens down on the sand when i'm shooting birds even if they're just a couple inches tall you gotta be eye level with them it makes the image so much nicer and it gives so much more detail and pops out the entire subject is really what it does. Okay, that's pretty cool. Um, I'm sure people listening to this are taking quick notes. They're like, we just got to remember to do that and that and that. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and you learned this all by trial and error, I'm, I'm guessing. Yes, lots, lots of error. <laughs> Do you edit your photos in one of the editing softwares such as Lightroom or Photoshop? Um, and if you do, what is your editing process? Yes, I, I edit my photos in Photoshop, which really is just, I shoot my images in RAW, meaning it captures, when you shoot in RAW, it captures every detail of the image and it makes it much easier to edit. You could just, you have all these things, you could just slide up the lighting a little bit. And that's that's much better for if you were in bad conditions, it's dark out and you couldn't get good settings or just the lighting was really, really bad. And that's when you just take it into Photoshop and you could, you could fix, you could try to fix your mistakes if it's, if it's a fixable mistake. Like if you have a good background, a nice sharp image, there's no motion blur with the subject, but it's too like dark and then you could just take that in Photoshop and slide the lighting up a bit. Or if it, the colors were just too dull and you didn't have the right camera settings, it was just dull colors. You can pop those colors a little bit or what I do, what I, the main thing I do is send, I have a 500 millimeter lens, but even that you, you still need to be much closer. So I'll crop them just, just to get closer and it just saves like that, for example. I can't just go up to the subject just inches away from it and getting a picture of it when I could just take the picture from a nice distance and crop it closer, still having full quality. The, the more megapixels you have on, the, on your camera, the closer you'll be able to crop your image and keep the quality. And I also know there's um, a couple of people that they've got kind of like this grudge against editing um, your photos, post-editing. 
so in your opinion does it lose some of its impact your photo at least does it lose some of its impact with your editing or does it actually get improved with editing i think it gets improved definitely um sometimes a camera can't just capture how it really was and in photoshop you could bring it back to how how the moment really was the, the true colors it really was and the lighting if you weren't able to cap capture it but mainly it's just the lighting is the biggest problem because it gets especially winter days when it gets dark so early here and, and that's when the animals want to come out and sometimes you just want to slide the lighting up a little bit i mean and it just brings back how it really was because a, a camera can't always capture the exact beauty of it that's what i think of it and then can you also tell us a little bit about how your photography has grown you as a birder because i'm pretty sure it's it's i'm not going to say easier but it's more convenient to have photos of a bird that you've captured yes. than just looking at it through binos. Yeah, that, that makes it a lot better because not only do I want to find and see the bird, but I want to capture and hopefully good pictures, which is what I'm always trying to do. Yeah, getting a picture of, of a bird that you've been looking for for so long and then you can get a picture and you can kind of keep that moment, which is amazing. And then this is um, usually a question that most photographers, I'm sure, don't like being asked, but I'm going to ask it. <laughs> Please answer me. <laughs> to you, which is your best photo offhand? So the first one that comes to mind is the, the three owls. I have a picture. It, they're way up in a tree and there's three baby owls and they're all perched right next to each other. And this was an extremely hard image to get. I went searching for months and it wasn't even a lot of, a lot of hiking. It was just searching in the same area, just, but I could not, could not see them. But once I, once I really did find them, which was, it was huge for me. And I knew I didn't want to miss this opportunity to get a picture. And so they were, they were probably around 70 feet up in a tree. And like I said, getting eye level is really important. And so I climbed another tree, got eye level with them and got a picture. And my picture would look nothing like how it does if I didn't do that. So that's why that's my favorite image. I put, I poured the most work into it. I think this podcast must come with a disclaimer. Do not try this at home. Yeah, do not try this at home. <laughs> Can you give some advice to people who are just starting out building? What, um, what courses do you think they can go on? Um, which things do you think they should focus on? And uh, which kind of people do you look up to in the photography world? So I've, I've done a lot of birding and a lot of pictures of not only birds either, 
And so it depends on if you're starting birding or you're starting photography or if you're starting bird photography. Mixing, mixing photography, wildlife photography and with bird watching is really huge. And I, I just started right in my backyard. You could start, because in your backyard, you could start any time, any time of year, any time of day. And you could just, you purchase a, a bird book. And that's where I started. I had, a, I had my bird book and I wanted to find all the birds in there. And I wanted to identify all the birds around me. And that's what I think, that's really what I think, um, how it should start is get a bird book and try to identify the birds locally around you. You don't have to go big. You don't have to go to the Amazon jungle on your first birding trip. <laughs> just start, just start right in your backyard. Start go in your grandma's garden, you know? That's where, that's where you'll really find interest. And I'm inspired. I look on Instagram a lot. I, I don't know all the names of the people, but I look on Instagram a lot and keep inspired by looking at other people's images and thinking that that image, I could get an image like that if I find an animal like that. And just enjoying their sighting that they saw and seeing the beauty of the animal that they saw super inspiring and knowing that you have these animals around you too is super inspiring so get inspiration from get inspiration from other photographers that have been doing it for a long time you'll be inspired awesome jace thanks so much for taking time out of your day yeah, to thank you. do this podcast thank you um i'm looking forward to having another podcast with you sometime i'm yeah. pretty sure we're gonna have a lot more to chat about yep um yeah and hope you have a happy new year <laughs> thank you you too once again i want to thank jace for such an awesome chat it was such an informative chat and i learned so much about photography and what it means to actually be a photographer so if you want to listen to more of our episodes be sure to listen to it on your favorite podcast streamer and be sure to like follow and subscribe to all our social media platforms. Until next time, happy birding.